The American Royal is the nation's highest caliber livestock show, providing a premier experience for exhibitors. Rooted in their legacy, which began in 1899, they're committed to providing a platform for competition, scholarships, and education. A Kansas City tradition, the American Royal is focused on creating an environment where all feel welcome, where agriculture is elevated, and champions are crowned. The American Royal is currently celebrating its 123rd year and looking forward to hosting exhibitors from October 6th to 23rd, right in Kansas City, Missouri. If you're interested in showing, be sure to check out their website for more information regarding entry information and deadlines. www.americanroyal.com That's www.americanroyal.com Or follow the link in the show notes. Entries are due September 10th. Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is known on social media as the shepherdess. She's passionate about raising her flock of Dorper sheep and small farms, beef, cattle, and chickens. Today, we're going to hear her insight on the food supply chain and what action needs to be taken by both farmers and consumers. From Harmony Farms in Upper East Texas, I would like to welcome Grace Leak. Welcome, Grace, and thank you so much for your time today. Hey, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, anytime. So tell me a bit about your background. I am probably the world's most unlikely farmer. So I come from a background in digital marketing and not just digital marketing, but digital marketing in the fashion industry. So two years ago, when I told my family I wanted to start farming, took some uh, adjusting to, but that's exactly what happened. And it really happened as a result of what we saw in 2020. Um, I think everybody can remember that year. Uh, you were seeing headlines side by side. And one was, you know, no, no food at the grocery store. And then the other one was, you know, food system, euthanizing millions of pounds worth of animals because they couldn't stuff them through this bottleneck. And I thought to myself, at this particular point in time, we had just moved to a 23 acre patch of grass in Northeast Texas. And I said, I have a resource here to do something. I, I probably can't save the whole world but I can do something with what I have. And that's kind of where it all started. Wow. That's incredible. So from fashion to agriculture, I doubt if there's very too many people that can say that. <laughs> yeah. Fashion to farming. That's kind of my, I should probably trademark that slogan somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Sticker or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you cover some incredibly important topics on your YouTube channel. And in several recent videos, you've talked about the drought in Texas. So can you give me an overview on the drought and where the industry kind of lies at the moment. Right, right. So the drought in Texas, I'm getting a firsthand look at it. And really with the biggest eye-opening moment for me that went from, oh, it's really dry this summer to, oh, this is actually causing trouble on an industry level was there's a sale barn about 30 miles south of me. And they had trailer lines three miles up the highway. Just these ranchers hit a tipping point and they had to liquidate their cattle. Um, in that weekend, that sale barn handled about two or three times the volume that it does on a normal weekend over summer. And people have at that particular point in time and since then just really been rushing to liquidate their cattle. This is cattle that they would not otherwise sell, cattle that would be in their pastures producing calves year after year, but it's dry. We are down by half in our annual rainfall and there is just nothing left for them to eat. 
Um, so that's where we stand right now. And right now, just to give some actual stats, where we sit in Upper East Texas typically sees 47 inches of annual rainfall. Um, we have seen 16 inches to date. Now, that doesn't sound crazy for a lot of people, but what this particular area is, is a resource bank. And so it can be dry in West Texas, it can be dry in Central Texas, it can be dry in South Texas, and if East Texas has its rainfall, we can export our hay. But at this particular point in time, East Texas does not even have the hay to satisfy our own needs. And we are importing from Louisiana, and it's it's just causing a huge deficit statewide. Wow, that's unbelievable. And um, cattle inventory is at its lowest point in 10 years. So there are multiple things that cause this. So can you go over that? And then what will the resulting consequences be um, as this whole thing plays out? Yeah, so cattle inventories are the tightest in 10 years. And I spoke to Corbett Wall about this and he said that was a relative number. He says they are probably even tighter than they were in 2011 and 2012. In 2011 and 2012, they were tighter than they were in 1950, despite the fact that in 1950, we had, you know, what is it, half the people in the U.S. So we had, we could potentially be looking at tighter inventories right now um, than we've seen in 60 years. But what has led up to that is we are at what I believe is at the bottom of the cattle cycle. And when you raise livestock, um, anybody listening who raises livestock will understand this a little bit, is that there are cycles in according to species. And with the cows in particular, it runs into maybe a 10 to 12 year cycle, which means the time it takes to hit its peak price-wise, say you're getting $2, $3 a steer at its peak to its trough, which say that's really bad prices, maybe $1.30. So number one, we're at the bottom of our cattle cycle. People have been selling liquidating herds because the prices have been so low for so long. Um, And I think that's kind of why our inventories are so tight right now, but also the industry at large is becoming increasingly difficult to navigate in as an occupational rancher. Um, The average age of the American farmer or rancher is about 64 years old right now. There's not enough money in it for their children to undertake this. It's a sacrificial life. Um, And the the system we're working with, the bottleneck of these these packing companies is just, it's choking a lot of profit out of the business. And people are just leaving, leaving the industry and they're leaving the land at at a really alarming rate. So that's where we're at today. Wow. And so where do you see cattle prices going then, you know, over the next 12, 24 months? Yeah. So 12, 24 months, we are probably going to see something similar to 2015, which again, if people listening who follow the cattle market, they'll know that in 2015, 2014, we saw all-time record high prices for cattle. We saw steers that would have typically been in the 130 range per pound hitting $2, $3 per pound. And that was a phenomenal time for a lot of people. And that was a result of a drought that had previously hit the South, the Southern region. And pattern-wise, we're hitting that same set of circumstances. We've had drought in major production areas in the United States. Um, And as such, we are going to be coming up on a time where the supply will not suffice the demand. Um, we're already starting to see where the foothills of that, the, the live cattle prices are are bolstering just a little bit as we approach fall. Um, but I think we could be at a place within the next 12 to 24 months where we have a huge opportunity to cash in on beef cattle. That's going to be really short term, uh, but we're going to see that same opportunity that we did in 2014, 2015. Oh, so there's a little silver lining then. There is, there is a little one. It needs to be used mm. strategically because yes. the industry is just facing so many challenges that... The long-term out- outlook is not super good, um, right. but there is there is short-term opportunity, I believe. 
And 2020 showed us really just how fragile the food supply chain is. And um, it highlighted the issue that uh, running all of our food through four meat packers is probably not the smartest thing for a nation. And so what can be done to take action against this fragile system and help protect families and and communities from, from food insecurity? It's all about the consumer. It's all about the consumer. And everybody's going to have their own ideas as to how to fix the problem. Some are going to cite political options. Some are going to cite going through government you know, regulations or deregulations or this or that. But the reality is, is that as a consumer, we do still have a choice. We can seek out our local rancher. I, I constantly cite this website. It's not sponsored. It's eatwild.com. I just cite it because it's an absolute resource for people to go and find their local small scale farmer. But my belief is that the solution abides with the consumer in a lot of ways, making the choice, everyone receiving the education. You don't know what you don't know, but once you know it, you have to act on it. Um, Receiving the education and understanding that these systems are number one, fragile. Number two, there are ways out. And that is, I believe, through your local farmer or rancher and seeking them out and establishing relationships with them and knowing where your food comes from. You hear it all the time, but it's just, it's never more important than it is right now. Absolutely. And then, so for the, for the producer, I guess, really delving into marketing food from the table is probably a really good, smart option right now, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's the advantage of being small. I, I mentioned earlier, I'm working on a 30 acre patch of grass here. I'm marketing, direct marketing beef and lamb. And as people, that makes it extremely optimistic as a beginner in agriculture or as a small scale agriculturalist that your greatest advantage is going to be starting small because you have more time to market. You have more time to find your audience. The biggest problem is going to arise in these big multi-generational ranches that just have a system down and aren't able to pivot as easily. Um, But honestly, as a producer going into this market, you need to find your customers. You need to find someone who's going to buy beef directly from you lamb directly from you. Um, and that's really going to float a greater portion of your operation in my opinion. So, yeah, for sure. And, you know, to dig in a little bit deeper with the consumer, they say at any given time, um, we're four meals away from chaos. And right. for, yeah, for years, I've been concerned that the average consumer not only has no idea where their food comes from, but also has no idea how to grow it. So how concerned are you about this obvious food security risk? Well, concerned enough to two years ago, put my boots on the ground from absolutely zero agricultural background. Um, And that's really where it started. It started as me, a consumer becoming concerned and seeing a resource that I had. I've got 23 acres. It's a lot less than some, but way more than others. And so I really want to challenge people out there just look around. Do you have an acre? Do you have two acres? Do you have a resource that you could at least get your feet wet in this concept of either growing your own food or if nothing else, just seeking out your local producer? Um, As you begin to grow your own food, you're going to put a lot more value on healthy food in general and the food that you do buy from your fellow farmer. So that's honestly my push is that if you have a resource, figure out how you can use it. Grow tomatoes in the five-gallon bucket, whatever you need to do. Because, you know, you know, tomato, it might be $30, you know, once you're done growing it and and so forth. But the, the education you're going to give yourself and the appreciation for a quality food system, it's going to be so worth it. So just do whatever you can. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. 
And, you know, when I was a kid, all I ever wanted to be was a farmer. I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in the, in town. Um, And it wasn't until college that I realized it's not so easy. You can't just start farming, but you're proving otherwise. And I love that. That's so hopeful. So, and you know, people don't always have money to get into farming. It takes a lot, millions and millions of dollars, right? But you have a, a, a video and a presentation um, that's titled a $100,000 small farm business plan. So can right. you talk about that and and really kind of give us the steps you went through to make this this dream, this idea a reality? Right. So that's the, that's the truth of it. And, and it doesn't take millions of dollars. Now, here's the thing I have to be totally transparent about. I'm working on leased land. I don't own the land. And it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for me to get into it that way. But we're coming up on a time where leased land is going to become more plentiful for young people to get in on. Um, so number one, start with leased land. And number two, and this honestly should be number one, but number one is start backwards. Find your customer first. When I got into this idea of farming. I originally went and I was going to sell grass-fed beef and it was going to be great. But as I began to build out this business plan, which number one, it starts with finding your market and determining how crowded is that market for the particular item that I want to sell. I realized there's a lot of people covering the beef arena. The opportunity opened up for sheep and I realized there are no people covering this arena for sheep. And that all happened as a result of me going backwards and saying, I'm going to find my market first. I'm not going to start building my beef ranch, which would have put me, I would have bled to death as a beef rancher right off straight out of the chute. Um, I found my customer first. And then I began building my farm on the larger scale. And I just want to emphasize that so, so much. Uh, Find your customer first. Go from there. Wow. That's amazing. And you've actually said that um, sheep, are more profitable than beef cattle um, right. uh, using a, a formula of, of pound of animal to acres. Can you talk, can you explain that? Right. So to bring it to a personal illustration, sheep offer me a 400% greater um, income potential on my 32 acres than beef would. I can make something like $12,000 with my beef business plan on 32 acres. Sheep, I can make anywhere from 32 to $45,000 on my 32 acre business plan. And that's for a couple of reasons. And number one is that the sheep market, just talking live cattle prices, it's not dominated by that bottleneck of processing issues. There's no big four packers for sheep. You basically sell your sheep direct to consumer. And as a result, the prices reflect that. Live beef cattle prices are down 50% from 1990 to 2021. And sheep and goat prices, they're up 50%. Wow. From 2017 to 2022. Um, so the prices at market I can get for my sheep, they're anywhere from $350 to $4. Now I direct market my sheep and I get about $6. I get a premium over that market. Um, but that is where it's at is um, the sheep, the sheep for me. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. And um, changing lanes a little bit, you finish each of your videos with scripture. So what what role does faith play in your life and in your business? Oh, everything really. Um, I believe ultimately that where where I'm at right now, you know, this fashion to farming thing, we teased it about it, but there was just this extremely deeply rooted desire. I believe it was from the Lord. And it was a desire that allowed me to push through 
maybe family opposition or a lack of confidence from those I trusted in the most on a human level to say, I need to do what I can with what I have. And that's exactly what it was. And I can't explain it as anything, but the Lord moving me forward in this. And it was, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about if you're faithful with what is small, basically, you will also be faithful over much. It's Luke 16, 10. And that's been my anthem because I'm, I'm starting small. I'm doing what I can with what I have. And there's no end to how the Lord may choose to grow it. But my focus is with what I have, you know, right in front of me here and now. Wow, that's really inspiring. And have you always been faithful? Is this something new as well? Or or has that always been in you? Yeah. So my parents were Christians and I grew up in a Christian home. And I can say that I am extremely blessed to have that as just an overall background. So yes. Yeah, that's amazing. And I have one last question for you. Why do you now feel, you know, you could have just made your farm and, you know, ate your food. But why are you serving the agriculture industry now and trying to reach these consumers? What is this greatest passion, this created this passion? So it just happened as a result of me going from zero, not knowing anything and beginning to ask a series of honest questions. You know, why is beef at the grocery store $5 a pound and the ranchers getting 80 cents or a dollar and the prices just keep going down on the live cattle market and up in the supermarket? Um, so it, it honestly just stemmed from me asking those honest questions that were really springing out of me wanting to make a profitable ordeal out of this. And as I realized, there is there are so many factors going into this. Food is now a political issue with one party tugging for control on here and the consumer not really realizing how much control is being taken away from them. Um, And so it's just compelled me to ask question after question and to provide the answers that I am finding. So it's just as simple as that, but that's how it's grown. Yeah, that's really amazing. And where can people find you? People can find me um, number one at shepherdessvideos.com. That is the uncensored real platform. Um, and then if you go to anywhere, podcast or YouTube, Google search the shepherdess, you will find my channel and, um, streams there. Awesome. And thank you so much. And and thank you for all you're doing. Your voice is really important and it feels like you're, you're also reaching a lot of consumers and, and that's, that's tough these days. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of us just want to get angry and just go, you guys are just a bunch of idiots, but we can't do that. Right. And I think you did a great job there. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's just, it's so important to get an education and and make actions, take actions based on that education. And there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there to, to do what's right and to make the right choices. So for sure. Well, thank you so much, Grace, for joining me. Great conversation. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links are provided in the show notes. You can, um, uh, don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, Telegram, or AgFuse. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. 
Thanks for listening. newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.